Welcome, everybody, to another episode of The Small Council. So tonight uh, was kind of a a last-minute topic that we wanted to throw together because uh, we weren't expecting so many changes uh, all for the the last, uh, you know, the last bit of the you know, 1.5.1, um, we feared just be a handful of stuff, but there was so much that we feared it, it, uh, you know, required kind of its own show to go over all of it. Uh, cause there's a lot of, uh, interesting and good changes, uh, and a lot of controversial, uh, changes that we felt, uh, needed some addressing. And, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, this is a small council where we talk about anything and everything, uh, a song of ice and fire, the miniature game by Simon. Um, we do this show live so that you guys can call in. Uh, this would definitely be the perfect episode to call in to, you know, see what you guys have to say about it. Because uh, uh, tonight uh, we got more of a shorter roster with us. We just got myself. Uh, Chris and Brett. Um, Justin might be on in a bit. Uh, I think he might have had some last-minute things come up. But, uh, yeah, since it's only going to be the three of us, um, you know, it's going to be a a little less back and forth, but I still think it's going to be a good, uh, you know, a good uh, discussion. So, but it would definitely be nice to have some of you guys call in. Um, You know, and tonight's show... Uh, is going to be a little different. If you guys call in um, pretty much at any point, if you feel like you want to add something, you know, it's not just going to be at the end of the show. If you want to call in, like, right away and just, you know, ta- uh, weigh in on the topic we're currently talking about, uh, by all means, go ahead. Uh, and uh, we hope uh, to hear from some of you guys. So, um Thanks to uh, Chris. Uh, he's done a lot of work uh, over the past like week. Um, we are now on Google Play, uh, iTunes. We're on, obviously, this site, Blog Talk Radio. Tune in, Spotify, and Stitcher. So we have a ton of places you can go to listen to the show after the fact if you can't, uh, if you're unable to listen to us live. Um, and then... You know, give us feedback and let us know, you know, how we're doing, uh, anything we can approve on, and uh, any topics maybe you guys want to uh, hear about. Uh, we kind of have, like, a schedule set up up until Adepticon, but then kind of after Adepticon, you know, it's pretty much whatever you guys want to hear, and we'll we'll make, uh, you know, some time for it. But uh, so we're going to kind of jump right in then into uh, the first of uh, of all the options or of all the changes, which is the cave dwellers. Uh, so I don't know. I think, I think it was a good change. I'm not um, overly disappointed because these guys were so good before that, um, you know, now I feel like they're right in the place they need to be. Um, and, Free folk have a lot of good options now, and things have definitely been balanced really well with you know as a faction as a whole as in like what should I take like if you're sitting there wondering what you should put in a the list, they've made everything you know competitive against each you know each other within a faction, and the cave dollar savages went from a really really strong option that you'd run in a lot of lists to, you know, right on par with a lot of other things. Uh, what do you think, Chris? I know you're our um, 
free folk player. So, I mean, I didn't really run a ton of these guys, but I really do like the change here. I think it fits them very well, and it definitely will help make the decision a little harder of what to choose, which I think is exactly what the designers here were going for. Yeah, and I've I've heard a bunch of people like you know complain about you know that they got a pretty big nerf, but I don't know I still see them as viable and still you know dangerous. Uh, you just before you could kind of just run these guys at something, and I don't think that was ever really their Simon's intention for these guys. You know they're meant to be run a certain way, and now with these changes, I feel like they kind of fit that role a bit, you know, much better. Yeah, I think they hit the sweet spot on that one. Yeah. So, so what do you I think, think, Brett? Um, yeah, I think I think generally in this round of changes, um, one of the things they were really aiming for, which has really been the goal um, the entire time was not just to boost the underperformers, which they've done a really nice job of doing, but I think they were really trying to um, eliminate any auto-include, auto whether that's uh, commanders, NCUs, or um, units. And I think Cave Dwellers just did everything so well, um, having the four-up morale, movement six, and then uh, some of the free folks' ability to zip across the board so quickly. That paired with Steyr being able to select Vicious immediately. And uh, once you have Steyr, unless you happen to have Joffrey Commander, which not a whole lot of people run him, him doing an auto wound, them selecting Vicious, is going to automatically trigger the panic test. So I think them being able to alpha strike and do so much um, potential damage very quickly was something that they were kind of frowning on. And they um, – Honestly, like you've mentioned a lot of times, Dave, with Berserkers as uh, morale being an extension of defense, uh, I think if the Cave Dwellers still had Vicious, even with the Follower of Bones having a slightly better attack profile and having Vicious, I think that uh, the Cave Dwellers would have still been taken for a point less simply because the uh, Followers of Bone, if they get punched back, are going to probably crumble a little bit faster even than the Cave Dwellers would despite the Followers of Bone having the better defensive save, and that's because of the difference in morale there. So um, I've made friends with uh, Michael Rumpmuntz, the uh, uh, gentleman from Germany who's been dominating uh, tournaments over there with Free Folk. And uh, I know he's a little bit disappointed about the change to Cave Dwellers, but um, I feel I feel for him. But um, me personally, I feel like it was something that definitely kind of needed to happen. Um, them being such a good alpha striking unit and having access to the weeper and uh, cut them down and things of this nature. It was, uh, it was pretty much could be a one shot deal. You know, you get the cave dwellers into almost any unit and uh, pretty much got a good chance to one shot them. So it was, uh, it was pretty bad. So. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you uh, um, were thinking the same thing I was in the, in the, along the lines of the Berserkers, and their morale being a four-up. I mean, I know uh, Michael kind of joked about this when they first were being teased uh, about someone who would try to run a full army of cave dwellers and nothing else. But before, the way they were, I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not saying it would have won, like, first place or did, like, you know, 
you know, undefeated or anything, but an all cave dweller army wouldn't be the worst thing in the world with the way they used to be. Um, and the what a lot of people don't realize, uh, a six-up save with a four-up morale, or let's just say even five-up or better morale, like let's say in the case of Bastards Girls, um, six-up morale or six-up defense means flank and rear charges don't mean anything. Thundering doesn't mean anything. Um, your morale, when it's that low, even flank and rear uh, minuses, unless like you have some other, you know, like Cersei or Vicious or something, a lot of times that doesn't factor much. So these guys essentially have like a built-in uh, uh, Master Warden, you know, with the without, you know, the effect of being able to stop the rerolls of dice for charges. But, um, so these guys looked squishy because you saw that six-up save, but, I mean, really, they weren't as squishy as a lot of people thought they were. Um, the one thing, though, I hope they kind of change is uh, the Cave Dweller Alpha. Now that they no longer have Vicious, I really would hope to see them change the alpha since it throws a panic token. It just doesn't seem like it mixes very well in my opinion. Um, I mean, it's not useless but when you have uh, the Chosen of Steyr just throwing out weakens just for activating and then you have the alpha who only gives a panic when you charge uh, and they no longer have vicious, I feel like the alpha is going to have to change otherwise you're no one's ever going to run it, unfortunately. Uh, even an alpha inside of Followers of Bone is kind of, eh. I would still rather run um, uh, uh, the Champion of Bone. What do you think, Chris? Uh, do you ever see yourself running the alpha, or you always kind of take uh, other attachments in place of them? I'm not going to lie. I run very few attachments in general. I just go for mob mentality and throw all my points in the guys. And to piggyback kind of what you were saying, by you know, the six ups armor save, is I don't really put much stock in armor save in general when it comes to their free folk, because let's be honest, they're gonna be dying anywho. So just <laughs> having that, that four up morale is almost like their buffer, which is gonna help them a heck of a lot more than any save is going to. Because there's a lot of things that will give you that minus one to your armor save. Anywho, these guys have a six up. They don't really care about any of those things. So, I like them. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you kind of make a really good point is that a five up save might as well be a six up save with all the tools you have now in every faction or even just, you know, a flake charge or something. Uh, so, having that six up compared to like a five up that a lot of other free folk have, I mean, you know, they might as well be the same thing, or at least close. So, yeah. um, I throw vulnerable but, tokens on me. I don't care. I'll re-roll the one <laughs> stick I roll. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, but, yeah, um, so we're going to move on from there. I think uh, it was a good change uh, for the dwellers. Next up, we have Giants. So, Giants, man, uh, I am a whole bunch of mixed uh, on this unit. I think they have lots of... The problem is I think they have lots of answers, but not every faction has those answers. 
but at, without those answers, they're too powerful. I think the Giants right now, because they have the extra wound and they do the extra damage, I think if you don't have an answer in your list for them, they're just way too good and they're just going to run all over you. Now, on the other side of that coin, I feel like if you do have answers for the Giants, the Giants might not even be worth their points. The problem is, in a two-list format, the edge goes to the free folk player who can run one list with a bunch of giants and one list without them, whereas the opponent is going to have to tailor one of their two lists for one unit in one faction that is among one of the least factions you see among what players are playing. So the advantage is definitely going to the free folk player that, you know, they're able to run the two different lists and, know that they will have viable options for both of them depending on what their opponent has, but their opponent, I mean, it's hard to tell someone to tailor one of two lists just for one unit. What do you think, Chris? So, I got to give these guys a whirl last week at our game night, and I was very impressed with how they went. The extra damage just off the bat, very useful, especially against the flayed men they were locked in combat with. But I did learn that even though they have the 4-plus save, there's a lot of things that were jacking their morale up, and I actually did lose quite a few wounds just off of failing that morale check, which I do like the fact that you can only take two off of it, but you know if you do that twice and you probably are looking at a dead giant. And it had yep. to be the neutrals I was playing against was causing a lot of that. So. I think uh, I think they're pretty powerful, the Giants. Um, it's pretty insane, really. Um, I'm not one to uh, criticize or say they should have done this or they should have done that. Um it feels like a pretty substantial boost, though. Uh, the limitation to how much morale damage they can take combined with um, the increased damage output and the additional wounds. Um, all I got to say is, especially with Sire in the mix, if you go hit them, you better hope that you kill them. And you better have few units committed to killing them. Uh, because if you don't... Uh, D3 plus D3 plus six, five, six, seven wounds. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna really take more than one hit. And they hit on twos, so hitting them with a weakened token is not going to really do a whole lot. Um, yeah, if you, if you go at them, you better, you better have a way to kill them, um, or they are gonna make you pay. Uh, the one time I tried out three folk against uh, our Lannister player, he went for him and he did not kill him. And I did not have Steyr at the time in my list, but even the giant himself was just clubbing uh, Lannister Knights for nine and ten wounds every hit, and it was just entirely way too much. I killed everything in his army with the giant and everything else I had, and it was a three-plus defensive save, high sparrow Lannister supremacy army, and they just crumbled uh, once he hit that knight, once once he hit that giant with knights and didn't kill him, so uh, proceed with caution. Yep, 
Yeah, that's that kind of goes back to the whole. It depends on if your list has the answers for it. So, you know, Lannisters, uh, most Lannister lists are going to have a a decent shot against them because of their uh, panic uh, manipulation, um, and then obviously Boltons because they're going to have a lot of vicious and panic tokens. Um, but I mean, Starks, if they can get some uh, good charges off, like with uh, Devastating Impact and some other stuff, but I don't know. I feel like some some uh, factions and or lists in general are going to really suffer against Giants, and it's easy to tell someone to have to tailor against a faction, but it you should never have to tailor to a unit. And I feel like Giants, if you don't have an answer for them, they are going to walk all over you. So um, I would definitely say uh, if you're making a list and you're going to an event, uh, it depends. If you know well enough of what you might face, if you're going to face, or if there's a decent shot that you're going to face Free Folk, just assume that at least one of their lists is going to have you know, at least a couple Giants, if not a bunch of them. Uh, and just plan for that. But otherwise, if you're going to, like, Adepticon, there's going to be way too many people for you to um, tailor that specifically. Uh, so it's just going to be one of those things you're just going to have to, you know, weigh the pros and cons to. But, I mean, oh, I see the I'll... predicament. Oh, go ahead, Britt. Sorry, I was just going to say I'll, I'll take my chances with the, the D3 plus 2. Um that's what I would have to oh, do. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's an unfortunate situation. Um, combined with contested objectives, if I ignore them in uh, Game of Thrones or Clash of Kings, I won't be scoring any points. But um, I'm still. I know that. I know that Michael said he made the change so that you wouldn't ignore them. But I mean, I'm still going to ignore them. I. I uh, that's, that's what I would have to do. Well, yeah, a contested unit's better than a dead unit. <laughs> so, uh, but I understand, you know, the predicament that Simon has put in with these guys because, like I said, there's plenty of answers for these guys. I mean, they're not like some, you know, powerhouse, overpowered unit that has no answers for it. It's just one of those very, very strong units that if you don't have an answer for them, they're just going to run rampant. But, uh, yeah, so um, just take that into consideration when you're making a list. Um, and I think if you have at least a couple answers, you should be fine. But uh, just know that if you don't have a single answer in both your lists, it's it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, moving on, we're going to move on to uh, uh, Harma's uh, Bannerman. So a simple change. You went from, what was it? One point to zero. I forget what points he, what point he was before. Um, so yeah, that's really was, nice. Yeah, um, he was one. I mean, I'm surprised with that change, but you know, I'm not overly upset. Then again, Harma is a really good commander. Uh, some of her combos can get pretty ridiculous. So I think zero points to be able to add him to because you can add him to her attachment, right? If you take her attachment, but Correct. I don't yeah, know he if her commander, yeah, but I don't know if her commander really needed the buff of him being free. So 
true. What do you think, Brett? I know you've faced uh, Harma quite a bit or played her as her. Yeah, I did both. I, uh, as a little bit of a personal challenge, I, uh, I picked up Threefold and uh, Harma was my go-to and uh, I didn't lose the game. Um, and this was before some of these changes. So um, I, um, yeah, she's really good, man. Um, she's incredible. All three of her cards are trickery uh, movement type of cards. Um, she's got a card that's similar to Watcher of the Wall, but they get to make a pivot first. Um, yeah, they're all kind of movement-oriented with Fainting Maneuver being the free charge. Um, it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm not going to say that it's a terrible thing. I think that was kind of the uh, consolation prize. And I totally see it because um, if you're going to put Harma in Cave Dwellers as the commander to to get the, the Bannerman, you know, to add Vicious, uh, that means that she's on the front line fighting, which is probably where you don't want her to be. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. It's not an auto-include. Um, whatever unit you put her Bannerman in implies that you're going to be getting her into the thick of things, and if you kill Harma, you lose the biggest advantage to Fainting Maneuver, which is her order of superior flanking. So it's kind of a trade-off. Um, I'm okay with it. Um, her attachment was already pretty popular, but I think for the most part, it was kind of a, uh, kind of a consolation prize. Like, yeah, we took vicious away from cave dwellers, but you can always plug Harma's attachment, which is a solid choice. And then you can throw the bannerman in there and get your vicious back. So it comes with the price of D3 wounds, but, um, you know, free folks die anyway. So what's, what's D3 yes, wounds? We do. What's D3? What's D3 hits from Steyr? We don't care. There's plenty of us, so no worries. Um, I'm largely okay with it. I I don't have anything really to complain about. Um, they they did what they did to the cave dwellers, and it kind of fixed that auto-include issue. So I'm pretty on board and, and happy um, from a person who generally dislikes free folk. Um, I, I I think it's okay. It's it's a it's a good change. Yeah, I mean, I hope that uh, him being free will entice more people to run uh, Harma attachment because I definitely don't see uh, her attachment much at all, just her commander. Um, oh, granted, I know. My, my... <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I was just gonna say, uh, Mr. Rumsbum, the uh, gentleman from uh, Germany, that is his staple attachment. Uh, that's that's part of his combo of death is the Harma attachment. He actually runs nice. the Weeper Commander pretty often. So, uh, but I agree. Outside of him, Michael is he, he's a special case. So, um, outside of him, <laughs> I've never seen I've never seen Harma's attachment. But um, Mr. Rumsbums is uh, on the guano level of crazy with how good he is with free folk. So, but yeah. So. Uh, what about you, Chris? Have you uh, used uh, Harma or Harma's uh, Bannerman? Well, with all the different options of attachments and whatnot for Free Folk, this guy was never really high on the list, which is what I think contributed to the dropping of points because most people just don't take him. So 
if you're dropping with zero points, there's zero reason not to take him if you have Harma. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't really run much attachments, but you know now that he's free, I mean, especially if you run Harma as your commander, you know it's just you know it's like a wolf, you know there's almost no reason not to take him. At least with a wolf, though, I guess there is some advantage to uh, not taking a wolf if you really don't want the extra victory point. But right. if you're really that scared, you just run him back and forth in your deployment zone all game just to give yourself an activation. But um, but yeah, uh, moving on, we're going to jump into the last uh, Free Folk uh, change, which is Steyr. Um, uh, before we uh, jump into that, though, uh, we have we have Justin with us. Woo woo. Sorry about that. You should yeah, be. no problem. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, we're just, uh, we just talked about uh, the Giants. Um, the Cave Dwellers and Harma's Bannermen. Now we're on to uh, Steyr Attachment. So, oh, okay. uh, so the Steyr Attachment um, just went from three points to – or sorry, not Attachment. Um, Steyr NCU went from three points to four points, and I feel like this was a very uh, fair and uh, good change. Steyr was so good that – I mean, he was an absolute must in every single one of my lists, no matter what. And then it was just, who's going to be my second NCU or third NCU, depending on how many I wanted in my list. But Steyr was always automatically in there. I mean, three points to do what he did was just amazing. I mean, I, I still kind of stand really by... Effective. Yeah, I, I kind of stand by my opinion that any three-point attachment really needs to be a replacement effect or a once-per-game effect, in my opinion. I mean, granted, how powerful those effects are is, you know, up to, you know, the designers and whatnot, but I feel like, I don't know, three points is so cheap for an NCU, the ability to get its effect and the board is really powerful for three points. Um, but, yeah, Steyr now being, uh, being four definitely, uh, you know, free folk have points to spare, you know, so, I mean, they're still going to take him. He's still practically a must, but this, you know, I think puts him at an appropriate cost uh, at four points. Yeah, I agree. I don't Please. think anybody is really surprised that he went up points. And like you said, I think he deserved to go up the points. I really don't see myself still not taking him because his effect is just so valuable. But, you know, at least, you know, you have to pay for it now a little bit. A little bit, he says. <laughs> you know, I think um, he's... Uh, it's kind of a shame that he's so powerful, actually. We were talking about this uh, last Wednesday uh, because you don't see him run as a commander very often, and I don't think that's because his commander's bad. I think it's because his NCU is just way too good. You're not wrong. His commander, his commander is fantastic, actually. Yeah, but his um, NCU is just so good. <laughs> yes, it is. And don't forget, they did add a little special effect to Steyr this time around. He can now influence ranged attacks. So if you were planning on tossing some spears with those spear-wise, they will now Jesus. do an automatic D3 wounds. It is the spear of Steyr. It's like the hammer uh. of Zeus coming from the sky and just these spears are now just uh, 
blowing people apart. But uh, it's an My interesting man. thing. I think it. I think it's split by some people. Uh, maybe. I don't think you're going to be putting your trappers in there, and nobody really does spear toss with spear wives. So maybe there's a ranged unit at some point coming for um, free folk. It'd be really interesting if there was a giant that threw boulders and. It was like a giant stone thrower, like the old Chaos Beastman used to have. I could have see like a, I could see like a giant spear chucker, <laughs> a stone thrower. Yeah. 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 I've got him pulled here's up here a, in a second. Here's a, uh, a random thought. Uh, team tournament. Uh, catapult, and you influence steer on top of him. Uh, that would probably get people booed off of the table because uh, <laughs> uh, it could be a thing. Uh, 25 points per faction. Um, I mean, I guess you could run Yarwick NCU and a stone thrower and, and run Steer and run Steyer, but man, you would not be a very nice person <laughs> at all. <laughs> could be a thing. There's nothing to prevent it. Uh, the, I'm reading the card now. While influencing a friendly unit, Combat. each time that unit attacks, it deals an additional D3 wins. It doesn't actually That's say ridiculous. combat. Range. I guess you could. I guess you could put it on an NCU. No, it does. When this unit claims to attach this card to a combat unit. Oh, my bad, Justin. Yeah, it's just in a different spot. Running away to Never Never Land. (laughs) I'm here to save you. Don't don't you worry. I got Uh, you. I wish you had uh, stopped me before I looked like an idiot. (laughs) I have to wait for that opportunity. (laughs) I got to let that shine. Each time that unit attacks, it deals an additional D3 wounds. I don't have his old rules in front of me to see if it ever stipulated a melee attack. I'm not sure if it did or not. I think it did. Yeah, well, Michael did say that at some point he alluded to something that's coming for Giants, and I don't think any of the new leaks that we saw had anything to do with it. So I feel like I heard a rumor is... a long time ago about Mammoth. Yeah, well, no, I heard it a long too. time ago, though. Well, I'm I'm gonna. That's giant, probably something giant, like that. Uh, Are there mammoths in the books? Yeah, yeah, totally. There's tons of them. Uh, it's so a, giant it's <laughs> a giant spear chucker. It's a giant spear thrower. Or a giant stone thrower. I can't imagine they would pass up an amazing opportunity to have a giant on a mammoth. You know, I mean, yeah, no. how well would that sell? I mean, that's kind of like that a defining will make thing people for people want to start the, the army. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of a defining thing in the book too, so uh, I I would totally expect it. Oh. <laughs> dragon, dragon right, uh, in our future. I can't wait. Oh jeez, I can. <laughs> I'm gonna eat the <laughs> dragon with my puppies. So we're gonna move on to uh, our next uh, group of unit changes, uh, which would be the. Um, uh, Night's Watch, all the Night's Watch changes. So, first one that we're going to talk about is Gior, uh Warmont NCU. So, I understand why they changed him now that you have Watch Captains, and it kind of made him, you know, he was already not really being taken, but now with Watch Captains, you just, you're almost never going to take him. 
even those that were using him, now you could just pay, you know, for the price of him, you could just have four watch captains and do the same thing. Granted, you lose out on an NCU and, you know, uh, an activation doing that, but still, I mean, that's, uh, it, it was kind of redundant. But now he has duty to the realms of men, which he influences uh, a friendly combat unit. Um, and then when influencing that unit, they gain uh, something based on uh, what you control for the tactics board. If you have the crown, uh, the unit will only suffer a max of one wound when failing panic tests. So basically like an unlimited uh, order token for uh, guard captains. So, you know, guard captains, you could try nuking them twice to, uh, you know, get through that order. When you have this effect on them, you're... Practically, you know, you're better than fearless in a way. I mean, because at least fearless, you could still fail and then take the D3 plus one, where in this case, I mean, only one ever, that's that's a big deal. Uh, especially if you already have, like, a tanky, you know, uh, vet unit. Um, if you control the money bag, uh, after defense dice are rolled, automatically block plus one hits. Uh so you could combine this with uh the realms or the yeah, the shield that guards the realms of men. And you know, if you control <coughs> excuse me, uh if you control the crown and the money and you have the shield on like a unit of vets, man, combined with their counterattack, not only are you only gonna take one for your failed panic if you fail, now you have a three up save that you're blocking one plus D3 hits that are then going to bounce back at the opponent. And if you control the the male, uh, cannot be targeted or affected by enemy uh, tactics cards or NCU abilities. Another amazing effect that will uh, shut off Walder um, even after he's been placed, if I'm not mistaken. You're um, correct. Because you can't be targeted or affected. So if you place drawer first, I mean, granted, they're just going to Walder something else, but even if they wanted to Walder the unit, they wouldn't even be able to be targeted. But even if you target them first and then Gior, I mean, Gior will basically be a Walder counter. And almost in that regard, makes him a must-take in at least one of your two lists, uh, especially if you have that unit that absolutely needs, you know, their abilities. Um, I'm going to have uh, Brett, uh, why don't you take us away with this one since uh, Nice Watch has kind of been your thing lately. Um, I just want to point out really quickly your uh, comparison to the guard captain, uh, the order at any cost. While it's very similar and it's still very powerful, at any cost makes you automatically pass the test. Uh, Jor will still let you fail, and it matters in the case of my boy Jon Snow because uh, you wouldn't be able to automatically trigger um, Stand United Brothers with George's influence. Um, that said, he is definitely really powerful, and uh, for all of the reasons that you mentioned. And uh, the other thing is not being able to be targeted by tactics card uh, is a pretty substantial benefit because it's um, kind of a built-in hard counter to things like delay orders. So or, uh, can, calculator cruelty. Yeah, any, any of those, yeah. So it's pretty nice. Um, he's solid. He's a he's a solid choice, and uh, you know we're gonna get to Denal here shortly. But uh, 
they did a really nice job of reworking the uh, Nightwatch NCUs. And uh, this is a, another example. He makes it really hard to choose which one you're going to go with. Hmm. What do you think, Chris? I know uh, Night's Watch are like your mortal enemies right next to those Lannisters. I'll be it's worse than those Lannisters, but <laughs> I, I, I do like the changes to Jor. I actually kind of want to run Night's Watch a little bit just to try him out and use him. And personally, I think He's one of my better painted guys, so I just kind of want to throw him out on the field, anywho. Yeah, I feel like Dice Watch now has so many awesome NCUs. They went from, in my opinion, among the worst. Like, you know, granted you had, uh, you know, your go-tos, which was Avon and uh, Bowen, but I feel like now with the changes to Jor and uh, uh, Noi, uh uh, Donnell or Donald 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 Noy Donald Noy uh, yeah. and then uh, <clears throat> Half Hand like they have some of the best NCUs now it's like Lannister level NCU honestly uh, Lannisters I felt like always had some of the strongest NCU choices and uh, I think Night's Watch is right there with them um, you've got a stable of very potent very very situational, but very potent NCUs. Um, a three NCU Night's Watch, Night's Watch list, I guess, if you wanted to squeeze 12 points in a Night's Watch list, it could be a pretty intimidating thing because they're all really, really good. <laughs> yep. Um, we're going to kind of jump on because we're uh, talked so much about those uh, cave dwellers. <laughs> Uh, we're going to jump into the next one. Uh, this one we're going to c- talk about kind of briefly. Uh, the Scorpion uh, modification upgrade uh, has been changed to one point. Uh, I think you'll actually see a lot more of this now with uh, Scorpions. I think Scorpions were kind of underused, especially once uh, Crossbowmen kind of came out. It kind of took away the spotlight for them. But now that you can take this for one point and get a lot of the same effects that the crossbowmen are going to have, this, uh, you know, it'll make scorpions that much more nasty. And personally, I will be running more scorpions, especially now. Uh, some of my favorite uh, games is when I'm running Ramsey Snow with uh, a scorpion, so I can do, uh, uh, Justin, what's the name of the start around uh, attack card? Cruel Methods. Yeah, Cruel Methods on a Scorpion where you just ignore the bad half of that card and then shoot someone with a bunch of awesomeness. That's not so awesome. I think this That's was, like the exact yeah. opposite of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this was a great change because I don't remember the last time I saw someone take this uh, upgrade, let alone a Scorpion. So I think this might entice uh, people to run the Scorpion uh, more often. Um, then uh, next up we have uh, uh, Noi, right? Is that how you say his name? I know yep. you just said it, Justin. But uh, Don, Don, Donald Noi. Donald Noi. Um, NCU. Kind of like Donald uh, Duck. Four, <laughs> four points. Bolster defenses. 
Uh, he begins the game with three order tokens on him, and when a friendly combat unit is attacked after attack dice are rolled, so you you know you really know whether or not you're going to want to use one of these orders because you'll you'll know exactly what's about to hit you. You may remove one order token from him, and your unit will get plus one defense, and uh, your opponent won't be able to expend a vulnerable if you have one on you. Uh, that's amazing, especially if you're going to combine it with Amon, who's going to heal, and Jor Mormont, if you have, uh, you know, the crown and or or any of the three uh, combination of the controlling those spots for more defense. So he just, I mean, the NCU is just amazing for Night's Watch now. I think there's a like a. I was thinking about this, and I think it's kind of a valuable thing to remember. Uh, throughout the course of a game, I think it like honestly, maybe I'm wrong, but honestly, I think it's it's rare to see someone expend more than like three-ish vulnerable tokens on an enemy. Uh, I don't think it's something you see often. Even like with me using cutthroats, uh, you'll expend more than three tokens throughout the game. But honestly, unless you're like built around that specific thing. Uh, you're not really expending tons of vulnerable tokens. Like, three is probably give or take average. Uh, units die, lose tokens, etc., you know? Um, yeah, I think he's amazing. Um, it's actually a conversation I was having um, just earlier today. I'm defending him. Um, I think he's fantastic. Um, just specifically, let's take a situation that you're surely going to see playing against Starks, um, a sudden charge with a unit like uh, Umber Berserkers, and uh, they control the horse, so you're going to become vulnerable. They're going to have eight attacks with Thundering, and you're vulnerable, so uh, let's say if they're hitting Vets, going to push their defense save to four, um, they should fail three or four of them, and then on the real roll, they should fail another two. Um, with Donald, though, you might fail to instead of failing five, and then that means you're, if you're talking vets, you're bouncing five back on a counterattack, and then it can be paired with um, Shield of the Realms of Men, either passively through the vow, or you can actually play the card on top of it since it's not a true order. So um, that comes to mind for a unit like Sworn Brothers. You can all of a sudden have them with the, a three-plus defensive stat effectively, and then they can play Shield of the Realms of Men on top of it. And that takes a unit like Sworn Brothers, who are somewhat glass cannony, and now all of a sudden they're a very defensive unit, and you might be able to bounce a charge. Even with Sworn Brothers, you get to do that three times around, so it's pretty amazing. Three three times a game, not a round. You could use them all three in one round, but... Jesus, Brad, three chill. Times chill. <laughs> three times every round. <laughs> That would be so badass. It would be so broken. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> I'm never going to win. Next up, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the conscripts. So these guys didn't get changed right at the newest update. This was actually something we uh, overlooked uh, when we did the initial uh, um, 1.5 uh, update. We kind of forgot to talk about these guys, so we're going to kind of add them in right here. Um, so I feel like these guys are really, really good now. The fact that they can have vows um, is huge. And the fact that uh, they are insignificant. I mean, these guys just went from kind of, you know, you, you throw them in as a filler four points if you needed to, to, 
you know, you could definitely be running a couple of these guys just to, you know, make up for the lack of activations in the Army and not have to worry about those, you know, free victory points. I wouldn't say necessarily free. I mean, it's not like these guys are so incredibly weak that they're just going to melt to anything. But, you know, they're weak enough that you had to worry about them, you know, giving up that victory point a little too easy for what a nice watch army is used to. So I definitely think these guys um, have a place now, <clears throat> especially now with uh, a lot of things getting, you know, the increase in points, uh, making lists a bit more expensive. Um, this will help you be able to uh, even the odds with a lot of other lists and the number of activations. Throw grin in them, and uh, especially in a Yarwick build, uh, they're going to shine in a build with uh, Yarwick. But uh, you, you pop grin in there, uh, you've got a maximum of eight attack dice with critical blows in a six-point insignificant unit. You drop precision on them. Now they've got critical blows with sundering, and sixes ignore defense. And it's kind of like when I always talk about getting beat up by free folk scrubs. Now you can get beat up by uh, Night's Watch scrubs. It's Kind of funny, but not funny. I guess it depends on which side of that coin you're on. But, um, yeah, they can definitely be tough. They're not necessarily my style, but at the same time, I don't really want to see them across the board from me. They're they're surprisingly survivable with their reinforcements. And if you commit a little bit of the Night's Watch healing to them just to make them stick around and turn them into a proper tar pit, it's going to be pretty pretty annoying, actually. Uh, the other thing I see the value for is throwing a uh, watch captain in them, uh, throwing uh, fire that burns against the cold on that unit, and then turning them into a budget Mirren Trant. Because you can call your order, control the crown, pass out a condition token long range when you activate, and then you don't have to throw the card away. So you get to do it all over again the next round. So it's a uh, it's pretty interesting uh, little five-point caddy for uh, condition tokens. So... Pretty nice. Yeah, I I think uh, one. Th I mean, you're probably not going to want to do this too often, but there's I think uh, <clears throat> some merit in you know depending on the situation, even throwing a Mormont uh, NCU on them and controlling the crown. Not only doing what you said and throw, you know, you could uh, uh, already have the crown. Uh, and throw out that token and not have to have the watch captain. And now they're also only losing one wound for a failed panic, which is where a good chunk of their uh, wounds are going to come from. <clears throat> so really you're just going to be taking damage for your failed saves. Then they're going to be healing naturally when they activate, and then only taking one wound when they fail that panic. But, I mean, granted, there's going to be, you know, other units in your army that you might want to put more mounts on, but you never know. If they're sitting there tying up something big that just can't eat through them, you know, it might be worth it to throw more mount on there and just stall them out while you're four point, five point, depending if you have that watch captain in there, you know, stalls out their like eight, nine point unit, depending on what it is. So um <clears throat> excuse me. Uh moving on, uh we're gonna talk about the Super controversial, Ghost. So, Ghost got quite a big nerf 
but I feel like it puts them right on par with a lot of the other wolves, and I am okay with it. Granted, this is coming from me, who is not necessarily a Night's Watch player. I mean, I've played them. I play all the armies, but they're definitely not, like, up there for me. But, you know, me being a Stark player, I can kind of speak to the strengths of the other three wolves. And I think Ghost now is right on par. If I were to rank all four of them, I would say it's Summer, Ghost, uh, Shaggy Dog, and then Grey Wind. Um, and not by, like, a ton. I would say, like, there's small increments in between. You know, there's kind of a big cha- a big gap between Grey Wind and Summer for me, but from each wolf to the next, I think, is a very small increment. So now Ghost no longer uh, ignores uh, armor saves. And uh, um, what else did he lose, guys? Uh, I know he still stops tactics cards. No um, bond. He can't what take out. He has bond. Oh yeah, he can't take bond. Uh, John, no more bond. No more sword in the darkness. No more sword in the darkness. Ghost. And that makes sense. I mean, from the get go, everyone was like, "Why in the world is he <laughs> able to take a vow?" Like, yeah, but the first thing he doesn't even like everyone's mouth. <laughs> he doesn't even howl. He can't even speak dog. You know what? <laughs> Uh, I'm still I'm still digesting it. I uh I play Commander Snow almost exclusively. Um man, it hurts. Uh it hurts you're sad a little that bit. you can't just one shot another wolf just because. Yeah, that was that was exactly <laughs> it. Um one of my one of my biggest plays was to patiently wait until they attacked another unit and then watch her on the wall ghost up and one shot an an enemy dog and Start start dropping their activation count. Uh, just send ghost dog hunting. Um, he won't be doing that anymore. Um, it's okay. When I played Lannisters, I think I hated Ghost more than anything in the game. Honestly, um, he was just incredibly powerful. Um, still being able to shut off tactics cards is a nice touch. If you're going to send Jon Snow in to finish off a really important unit, and you want to make sure they don't pull any bullcrap. Uh, just send Ghost first, attack, and then send Jon Snow in to deal the final strike. Uh, you'll prevent counter charge. You'll prevent last stand. You'll prevent the North remembers. So situationally, he's still incredibly powerful. Um, you're definitely not going to be hanging him out to the dry because uh, he's not going to be able to fight his way out of those situations anymore. But uh, <laughs> if you play with him smartly and you use him at the right moment, uh, he will reward you, and I think that's exactly all across the board is what the developers want is a smart, patient, maybe not necessarily patient, but good, smart, calculated play is going to be rewarded, and no-brainer combinations won't. So Sword in the Darkness on Ghost was such a no-brainer, four attacks with no defensive saves, and, yeah, so they've, they've done away with that. Hitting on twos. <laughs> yeah, so they've done away with some of that stuff, and it's for the good of the game. Um, I don't have to hear anybody howling about ghosts anymore, so it'll be all right. I think it was a good change that needed to happen. It was pretty across the board that he was the most overpowered wolf, so it is what it is. See, I think it, they at least left him with his best thing. In my opinion, the no taxes cards is the best thing he had going for him. Uh, the no defensive saves is awesome, but 
I mean, how often is uh, when your unit dies card, like, you know, can be game-changing? Um, <clears throat> uh, the North remembers to unactivate something. I mean, constantly to kill something and then play a card that says no tactics cards is a big deal, especially when you're sitting with that card in your hand. You're like, uh, I guess you can't play it. I guess you can't play it again. I guess. And then you just sit it with it in your hand, and it becomes a dead card because you just keep shutting off uh, tactics cards. So I definitely feel like they left him with the best of those you know, between the no tax cards, no defensive saves, and being able to take vows, in my opinion, the no tax cards was his his best. So Melee's left him with that. <clears throat> and then uh, I believe all we have left is uh, Alice, Alistair, Alistair uh, attachment. Uh, Brett, I'm going to let you uh, take it away with this one. I haven't had a chance okay. to really look look him up too much. So his old ability was insight, which is what um and it's Alice or Noti. Um his old ability was insight, which is what Harmus Bannerman has. So um basically they would always fight with their highest attack dice and they gained vicious but they suffered D three wounds after the attack was completed. It was never a bad attachment that way. But I think the issue was um, a lot of guys just overlooked him because they didn't want to do D3 wounds to their sworn brothers or their veterans um, in exchange for that benefit because it doesn't have the umber kind of stipulation of, or I guess not the umber, the Stark stipulation of Stark Fury. You know, if you're down to the last rank, you don't take wounds. Um, John Umber's crazy. He kills his guys anyway. So, um, But uh, it doesn't have that stipulation. So if you've got him and you've got three wounds left on the tray, and you really want to call insight, um, it was kind of a risk. And uh, you didn't. it's not a risk you could really afford with sworn brothers or veterans. So I think he was being overlooked. Now he just adds vicious, and then he gives the at-any-cost order, um, and there's no consequence. You don't get to fight with full ranks anymore, but you gain vicious no matter what with melee only. And... Uh, but, yeah, it, it makes him definitely more usable um, in units like Sworn Brothers. Um, morale 6 is by no means bad, but uh, it's definitely something that you can attack. You can attack their morale to bring them down. Adding his order is a very nice touch. Like I alluded to earlier, um, if you keep a tight formation and you're running Jon Snow Commander, um, you might have um, Stand United Brothers in your hand. And if they attack... Alistair's unit and he was going to fail that panic check he can automatically pass it and then you automatically trigger that card so it can be a pretty swingy card it's d3 plus one wounds and if uh, you're healing Jon Snow or if Jon Snow passes the test it's an automatic three so that's four wounds uh, being able to heal four wounds with a card is pretty amazing so um, that's just one situation where you can use it I just see it as an extension to the defense of units that are already hard to bring down, and then you have Amon generally around, or Craster, or um, Take the Black, or any of these other ways Night's Watch have to heal. So um, it's definitely a tool in the box, and uh, I think it's a good change. And like I said, he'll be more considered in um, units that uh, don't necessarily want to kill themselves to gain Vicious. They can just gain it and start using that 
as a way to do damage as well. So. Well, that and it gives uh, Night's Watch a, a good way to, you know, have a unit be good against uh, Giants. Throw him in, like you are saying, some Sworn Brothers. Now you have Sundering, Vicious, and Critical Blow, and you run into a Giant, and if you get that charge off, there's a fairly decent chance you could kill the Giant if you can at least do the eight, uh, eight wounds um, to him on the charge, and then he fails that bank test for the last two. And again, it is risky, as we already kind of talked about. If you bring them down to the one wound left, I mean, they're doing D3 plus 2 plus 5 plus possibly D3 more. And then now you went from, you know, a full Sworn Brother unit to just a dead Sworn Brother unit. Yeah. <clears throat> it's risky. But you better throw a pants out first. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I would say uh, more so vulnerable because... Uh, that panic token, I'd I'd be more scared uh, of not doing enough because they only have eight attacks, right? So on the charge, uh, maybe yeah. ten if you have the swords, but you need to do eight in order to do four, which leaves them with two. And then if he fails the panic, yeah. that's the last two. I'd rather have a vulnerable on there to make sure he just fails all eight. If you've got trackers, you can have both. Yep. I'm just saying. Anyways, no, sorry, I, I'm terrible today. So, um, yeah, uh, I mean, even putting him in vets uh, and then Gren in a different vet unit, and if you run Awful, uh, Jarwick, uh as your uh, commander, and then he could give the other, you know, because he gives... One card gives Sundering, one Vicious, one Critical Blow. You could start combining combinations of those effects since you'll already have two vets with, uh, uh, you know, one with Critical Blow and one with uh, Vicious. I yeah, mean, you can, it starts you can to get start a little him. pricey there, but you I can think build that would be one of the... Either. Yeah, and then that'd be maybe a list where you might want to throw a, a conscript in there because your you know your vets are going to be kind of pricey, and you won't have to be scared about doing it because of that insignificant. But uh, next, uh, we're going to move on to um, kind of the other. Uh, we have uh, a couple of neutrals and Starks. Uh, first, we're going to start with the Starks. Uh, we're going to go with uh, Sansa. So, um, I didn't. I don't know. I feel like it was a, a decent change just because I guess, I mean, our group, you see Sansa, you know, decent amount, I guess, would you say, Justin? Not like all the time, but a decent amount? I'd say a little more than average. But yeah, like no more than I'd expect to see any single individual. Yeah, but I guess like a lot of uh, you guys out there are like just a lot of other places. Like she's always in every single list all the time. Is that more so like your uh, group, uh, Brett, for your Stark players? Sorry, what was the question? I was saying, uh, I was asking Justin, I was saying how like our group, Sansa, is seen a little more than average. You know, she's, but she's definitely not like an auto must. But your group, uh, if I'm not mistaken, your guys run Sansa like, all the time, like she's like a go-to in every list for Starks. 
Auto include. I've never seen an indie guy run uh, Starklist without Sansa. Uh, not not recently. Um, maybe so, since it's been over a year, she's been in every single Starklist um, to a flaw. So yeah. So I guess uh, just from my own like personal like our group, uh, I never saw her as like a problem. But I guess if like everyone else out there is, if she's like a must in every single list all the time, I could see why they wanted to weaken her a little bit just so, you know, people don't feel like she's an auto uh, take. Um, To be totally honest, though, uh, I always tried my absolute best to save her, to use to pull a card from the discard pile so that I could, uh, like, my favorite thing to do would be um, set for charge with Blackfish as my commander three times. But in order to do that, you have to. If, in order to use a card for a third time, you got to pull from the discard pile. And so, the change to her didn't really affect me too much. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I have used her to pull from uh, the deck, but for me, it was actually, you know, the deck was a last resort. Like, man, I need a change. I need to, you know, make something happen right here, or else I, I could be done for. But otherwise, I, you know, if she's once per game, I tried to wait it out. Until I got like a set for charge or something really important in the discard pile, uh, so that I could use it for a third time. Because doing that gives you a 21 card uh, tactics deck, rather than pulling it from the deck. You know, you're essentially, you know, you're just uh, using a card that you could potentially have drawn, you know, in your next hand. I mean, granted, you don't know without hindsight, but. So I feel like uh, if that really is the case, like, you know, pretty much everywhere else that she's played that much, then I can understand why, you know, they kind of nerfed her. Uh, I just, I guess I, it doesn't really affect me much because I'm, it just makes me play her even more so the way I was already playing her. Uh, I think it's a good change. Um, She was, um, I don't mean to insult anybody that might be listening, but she was a crutch. Um, she was brought so that you could either always pull a sudden charge when you needed to, or she would get you that final card that you needed to complete your card combination. Um, I played Starks. Um, I used Sansa almost all the time. She wasn't auto-include for me, but uh, I used her pretty often. And... Um, it's definitely a crutch because you're always thinking in the back of your head, like you said, hey, in an emergency situation, I can go pull this card and, and it'll be cool. And uh, it kind of takes away from the randomness of the tactics deck. And uh, I think it bothered a lot of people. And uh, I'm glad that they straightened it out. I'm honestly surprised that they missed her with the first pass. Because like I said, they they seem to be targeting things that are just a no-brainer auto-include and being able to go get any card you want at any time you want um, is the big thing. It was an any time thing. So it was uh, it was probably pretty frustrating for a lot of people. And then she was basically auto-include for the most part in the competitive list that I saw as well. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad that they took care of that. So I think it'll help start players to grow they'll see that they have better NCUs than her and maybe they'll explore into some of their other options and see like, Oh, well, 
you know, this has been here the whole time, but since I was only looking through the Sansa glasses, now that I've got those off, I can see all these other great combos that I can build. So I see it as being very beneficial. What do you think, uh, Chris? What do you do? You, uh, I know you used to play starts before Free Folk. I mean, I'm one of those guys that used her a lot. I mean, the three points for her ability was extremely hard to pass up. But like you say, to really get her full value, you gotta go digging in the discard pile to get that extra value out of cards you already used. So I don't think this hurts too bad but it just really hurts those people that want to really do what they want to do now and not kind of plan around it, you know? Yeah, I think it was interesting that uh, it was mentioned that it takes away from the randomness of the deck because, if I'm not mistaken, the entire reason they started changing Varus in the first place besides him just being broken, but originally you could use all four of his orders on the exact same thing until you get to pass because rerolls were allowed. Um the reason they took that away is because they never want something to be a guarantee, right? So that was the Sansa thing. They don't want to guarantee that you can get a separate charge if you're using Brendan Tully. Uh, now it's you have to still have randomly drawn it and discarded it at some point. So I guess it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it helps players not to, like, you know, fire off for once-per-game ability right from, you know, the first turn. Uh, and it... Um, uh, it's, it makes you be a lot more, you know, you, you're going to have to, uh, sorry, you're going to have to really think about it and you're going to have to draw into at least one of those answers. Uh, it does give some merit to, um, possibly discarding like your first three cards if they're not really worth it and at least put some fuel uh, in the discard pile for her and allows you to draw a fresh new hand. Uh, let's just say it was like a really bad hand. You know, it gives some merit to that strategy. Um, but yeah, it's... I don't know, I like the change. I think uh, you're right, Brett. It It was sort of a crutch in the sense that whenever you have an ability like that, this goes for you know any situation where you have an ability that just lets you you know, uh, pull an answer out of thin air at any point. Granted, it is once per game, but, you know, it ends up being a crutch uh, that you rely on, I think, a little too much. And I think this will only uh, make players better, uh, knowing they won't have that out, at least not right away. Um so next up we have is great axes. So I don't know. I'm I think they would have been fine uh at five movement um still with uh the changes they made. At four at uh taking away the plus one hit and putting them back to a four inch move. To be totally honest, uh I at this point I don't think they're garbage, I don't think they're bad. I just would rather run Berserkers, um, if that makes sense. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'll probably still run at least one in my list, whereas my list has used to have two Great Axes, two Berserkers, because I felt that they complemented each other really well. But now with Great Axes getting both uh, um, drawbacks, 
with the change, I see myself only running one of them. And even then, I'd contemplate to myself running just four Berserkers. Um, but I think the only reason I kind of still run the one unit of Great Axes is because I have Blackfish in there to make their morale a four-up. Uh, whereas if I didn't have that plus two on them, I would probably run Berserkers for sure, knowing that I have, even though I have one worse save, I have such a better chance of passing my morale at a four-up than I do with a six-up. Um, so, I don't know. I I feel like they would have been fine with just taking away the plus one to hit because now weakened actually, you know, has an effect on them rather than making someone have to re-roll a bunch of two-ups. So I feel like they didn't really need to be slower again. Um, and what do you think, Justin? Justin, you there? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was just commenting on Great Axes and how... Oh, they're double like, Yeah, and how I feel like the, taking away the minus one to hit uh, was good enough. Um, especially no, no, I think it's... Could, uh... I think it's, like, I'm, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat. But I remember specifically having a lot of conversations when they changed them and they gave them plus one to move. And... I was like, why would they do both of those? Like, I didn't, I wasn't even aware they needed. Well, it was kind of like a nerf anyway, or a buff as opposed to a nerf before, anyways. Regardless of losing mighty cleave, but um, I guess they had to lose one of them. Maybe I'm in the boat where they shouldn't have lost both of them. Either one may have sufficed, and the plus one probably would have been the best choice. So I guess I'm in the same boat. I'm kind of okay with this, but that's just because I hate them. Um, but from an actual tactical perspective, I, yeah, it may be too much and that's happened before. Yeah. I mean, I will be glad to not see them like as an auto take, uh, now that they got both of the downside, uh, the, the drawbacks or the nerfs, whatever you want to call them. I don't like using that word all the time, nerfs, yeah. but it's, the I guess the best way to describe, uh, you know, doing, you know, taking a stat or an ability and drawing it back a bit. Um, but yeah, it will be nice to kind of like in the Varus sense when they did the change to Varus, it's going to be nice to not see as many of them because they're not going to be auto takes anymore. But I hope it's not a permanent change uh, because um, like I was saying, I would much rather just at this point take Berserkers because uh, not only are they so much slower, they're less defensive and um, arguably just a little more offensive now that they hit on the three ups. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, what do you think, Brett? Um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Um, I think they definitely got a buff that last time around. Um, oh, yeah. Paired with Sansa, paired with you know, some of the other things in their deck, um, the wait until the end of the round, sudden charge, I start my turn, I grab the sword, you're taking like 10 million hundred hits on twos and I'm going to pop your unit. And that's also the unit that Jock and Hagar is in. And it, it was kind of rough um, being movement five and having all those attack dice once they were engaged. Um, I think I'm actually okay with it. Um all the way around. It's not horribly hard to hit on threes. They still don't have 
the real diminishing attack profile. You can still plug in an Umber Champion and throw 10 or 8 dice that hit on threes. They're just more counterplayable with the weakened tokens. Um, I don't think the sky is falling and they won't be, you know, completely gone. They, they'll be a little bit less common, but they, they're still really, really good, man. Um, I know that they can't charge and ignore armor saves, but, like, if you compare them to pyromancers, pyromancers are also seven points, but they have nothing for defense by way of morale or a defensive save. And pyromancers outside of Tyrion don't have that incredible deck to get them where they need to be. Uh, great actors are still really good, man. Um, and you'll still see them. They're still scary and they're still powerful. <laughs> You're not just going to walk up to them and like smack them off the board now. They're still the threat that they were before. They just, you know, need to roll a three instead of a two to hit you. It'd be all right. They're still good. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I feel like I've mentioned this before, like in an early episode, maybe it was just, uh, you know, something I talked about, you know, with just some of my friends, but uh, going from a five inch movement to a four inch movement is a huge deal in this game. Like I, any, uh, anytime you take that free maneuver early game to try to get yourself up to pick up an objective, a lot of times it's not enough. Uh, depending on your deployment zone. Uh, that 4-inch movement plus the 8-inch march sometimes will make you fall short. But a 5-inch movement or greater gets you on the objective. So uh, that alone makes the buff, you know, going from uh, going from a 5 to a 6 or 6 to 5 or anything past that, is one thing, but jumping from or going from a five to a four is a, a much bigger disadvantage than any of the other steps from any of the other numbers because of the potential of not being able to reach an objective with the free maneuver zone, whereas everyone else is going to be able to. Um, it makes it uh, hard to, you know. You know, I guess with that said, though, uh, with the new changes to objectives, not getting there first isn't such a big deal. But the fact that great axes don't get anything on the charge will also hurt them. Uh, you'll have to combine it with some tactics cards. But I think you're, yeah, overall but, you're right. Like They're definitely going to be usable, but we'll see. It's the Stark deck that complements them. Because, yeah, if you just factor the board and their movement in, you're not going to make it where you need to go. But the Stark deck and the Stark army is one of two armies that gets to speedboat around the battlefield, you know? So if anyone's going to get a four-inch uh, unit where they need to go, it's going to be Starks. Yeah, that's true. Especially, you know, I guess if you get that swift advance or something, or, you know, if maybe you can't get to the objective right away, you can maybe combine uh, Devastating Impact or uh, Northern Ferocity to give their charge a little bite. But... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, time will tell. Um, right now, I'm definitely downgrading from two great axes to one, but I definitely haven't lost all hope. I'm still, like I said, <laughs> running the one unit of them because I, I don't feel like they're useless. They're just, I, I guess, because I'm comparing them to berserkers, and I, I, even after the uh, great axes became amazing, uh, berserkers remain and have always been my favorite unit. Uh, in this entire game. 
Bran and Hodor are but, uniquely powerful in Great Axes, too. That's absolutely, yeah. in my opinion, their best unit to be in. You mean that's the best attachment? or No, it's the best unit for Brandon Hodor to be in. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, I agree. I was going to say, it's kind of one of those things, that's why like my list before with two Blackfish. great axes had uh, one with Hodor and one with Blackfish, because in my opinion, those are the two best attachments to put in great axes. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the best attach or unit for Blackfish to go in, though I you could still argue that. But like you said, though Hodor, that is the best unit for Hodor and um, the best one of the best attachments for Great Axes. Um, one becomes super survivable to just dish out their damage, so that you can't like one shot them very easy uh, mm-hmm. with almost anything. And then if you can get that. Uh, if you can't kill Hodor's unit and you can, like, influence with Catelyn, it's going to be a bad day for you. And that's what it's called, yeah. I call it yeah. law. <laughs> <laughs> so, but time will tell. I, like, it, it, Great Axes definitely have their place still. Um, so next up on our list, uh, we're going to jump into Varys. Um, I think we all kind of called this uh, Varys got the double nerf and it was too much. It was a very awesome period of no Varys, which I absolutely enjoyed every minute of it. But from the get go, I knew that it couldn't stay. Um, he had to, you know, completely nerf someone out of usability. Granted, I used him from time to time in like a single list or two. Uh, but overall, with the double uh, hit on him, you almost never saw him. I think uh, that what Brett, we had the one tournament in Indy where there was a crazy amount of lists and not a single Varus in any one of them. Correct, sir. No Varus. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So now he is back to four points, but he still has his uh, his nerf of... Uh, timing, so it's when an opponent activates, so it's before they ever decide what spot on the board they're going to take, so it is still kind of a toss-up. You don't know if they have set for charge, or uh, sudden charge. You don't know if they uh, plan to take the free attack, uh, or if they have something else in mind um, to, you know, throw at you that you weren't thinking of. So, you still have that downside, but now that he's four points, I definitely see him being used in a lot more lists. Uh, Justin, how do you feel about it? I know you're our local uh, neutral player. Well, before his first or his second big nerf, the one that hurt him hard, I used him in every single list. However, that was because I had only two NCUs. Not my fault, I swear. <laughs> but uh, since then, I actually like I built a bunch of pseudo lists. I didn't get as many games as I wanted, but I didn't actually ever use him after the nerf. Oh, wait. No, I think I used him once, and it was kind of rough. Uh, I didn't really... Like, the the point made it a lot worse. Right when they changed him back down to four, though, I did try him last Wednesday against Chris here, and he worked great, especially when it comes to influencing NCUs, because, um, like, you know, mid to late game, someone influences a unit, depending on the influence. It may be a unit that they need to, like, take a free attack with, so they influence them to buff them up real quick to swing before they die. So I think, like, twice in that game, I was able to 
I knew he was just going to influence the units. So I was like, I'll just shut the board down and then I'll kill the influence unit. Uh, and it worked really, really well, actually. And I got to use my good old tried and true Peter Varus Wombo combo. And I absolutely love using those two together. I think they complement each other extremely well. So, um, like I said, I didn't make lists and I didn't think he was useless. He was just, he was hard to bring because I'm already like so strapped for points in neutral that it makes it a pain. Uh, I, I, I'm glad they put him back down to four. I think it's the, the right spot for him to be. What do you think, Chris? You know, after playing against him, actually, well, before Justin remembered how to to actually use his... Ability. I may have waited until, like, round four, because I forgot about him. But to be fair, <laughs> you know, he did it at the right time, but I think, like we talked about, it was too much before, and he's back to a, a sweet spot where he's usable again, but not totally overbearing like he was previously. I still failed two of the rules, so he only worked twice. Yeah, I think... Uh... For you know, now that you're gonna see a lot more of him, for everyone out there, try to uh, you know get in the habit of saying I am activating so and so NCU because you can overplay your hand by taking your guy, and it's not the fault of the person playing Varus if you just grab your NCU and then go straight to the spot you want. Uh, you're just overplaying your hand at that point. So get into the habit, you know, just say I am activating uh, Catelyn Stark and then give them a pause um, because you can't skip someone's a, a chance to activate. So you can't, like, fast play it and be like, I'm doing this and this and hoping that ability. I mean, you can do that, but, uh, one, it's not very sportsmanlike. But, two, they, you know, if you try to skip their ability to activate their your, their effect, they can go back and activate it. You can't just skip it. So... Uh, with that said, don't be afraid to kind of remind them that they have Ferris because uh, now with his new timing, it will actually help you because they're going to have to decide before they ever know what you're going to take. Sometimes, you know, they have a good idea what you're going to do, but they have no guarantee. They don't know what tactics cards you have in your hand or, you know, what you might be doing, um, especially if you know, you're like, you know what, I want to take this first. Um, and they don't know that, they're like, okay, I'm going to stop the board. And you're like, okay, yeah, go ahead and stop the board. I was just going to take the crown, you know, and uh, that to stop you from having Walder or something. I don't know. But so just get into the habit of being like, I'm activating so-and-so and wait to see uh, what they want to do with Varus. So the last thing you want to do is pick up your guy, throw him on the attack, and then they'd be like, all right, I'm going to stop the zone. Of course, you know, I don't want you to have a free attack against me. So um, just wanted to keep that in mind. But, yeah, you're definitely going to see him a lot more. Uh, what, be, what about you, Brett? I know uh kind of took a big hit because you liked uh, Varus quite a bit. Uh, yeah, um, I do like him. Honestly, um I probably even even with him being reduced back to four points, I don't know that I'll necessarily run him. Um, I was more of a cheerleader for Varus because I just felt like he was a a necessary evil in the game. Um, when Varus kind of disappeared from the picture, um, it really 
gave itself a lot of power to um, Walter Frey. It gave a lot of power to um, Gregor Clegane lists. Um, uh, Starks with Sudden Charge, uh, the Endless Horde with Free Folk, Fainting Maneuver, all of these things were um, just exponentially more powerful because most people weren't paying the five points to bring Varus. And um, even with the timing change, like I've said um, several times, he was always still good at stopping a predictable play. So that round one, turn one, going to the letter, you can reliably Varus that. Um, if they've got you locked up with one of their nasty units and they're going first to the top of the round, you can reliably Varus that. Um, but he, he mostly needed to exist to stop some of the really, really nasty things. And uh, I think for every nasty, nasty thing, there has to be a counter or the game's not balanced. So uh, he was a necessary evil for me. I uh, Obviously, <laughs> I showed my hand in letting everybody know that I wanted Varus to exist and be a part of the game. So um, I don't think that I had anything to do with him being changed, but it just needed to happen. And I think they kind of realized that when they started uh, pulling data from the tournaments around the world, and it was pretty much across the board that Varus wasn't present. So they kind of dialed that back a notch and we'll, we'll see what happens moving forward. But I'm, I'm very, very, um, optimistic that he won't be an auto-include. So, well, I, I mean, outside of neutrals, he's a very good NCU for them. But I, 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 I like still want not auto-include him, though. Yeah, you do, have some, you do have some really good options. Yeah, like um, for four points, Tycho and Peter are, like, absolutely wonderful, in my opinion. Correct. And I think the timing change to Varus alone was enough to make um, Peter considered over him. Uh, I think Peter has long been one of the best NCUs and he was kind of just always overlooked because Varus was so powerful and oppressive when he could uh, fully cancel those cards. Um, I think once his timing changed and obviously his points changed, people started to realize just how much they loved Peter uh, pun intended. So um, yeah, he's, he's an amazing, he's an amazing NCU. And then the emergence of Tycho, I think a lot of people have fallen in love with him and uh, I think a lot of people have fallen back in love with their house NCUs and it was kind of like Varys took a little vacation and now he's come back and people are like, well, we've moved on Varys. We have moved on. It's, it's too late for you to come I back into our life. With open arms. I missed you. <laughs> I, I mean, I did at least on paper, but um, I think I'm, I think I'm one of the people that, that moved on and it's like, Hey, I have, really cool NCUs in house too. So uh -huh. he's definitely not an auto include. So it just goes right along with everything else they've done. Save everything is going to be a really tough choice. And uh, I love the fact that they've done that. So he's definitely a great counter to Walder. Um, Walder Frey is such a strong NCU. And the fact that he is getting quite a bit of uh, counters to him is nice to see. Uh, it's not so much that it makes him not worth taking. He's still a very strong uh, NCU to take, but he's definitely not going to provide all the answers uh, for you uh, in your game. <clears throat> and Varus is a nice counter to that. And the thing is that Varus isn't even a guaranteed counter. I mean, you still got to roll that three up. Uh, and if you're mm -hmm. stopping Walder, you're not stopping the board, especially if you uh, want to take Walder on the free attack, 
now you got some questions or you got some decisions to make. Are you going to stop that free attack? Are you going to stop Walder from shutting off a unit completely? But uh, but we're going to move on to there to our last uh, um, unit we're going to talk about for all the changes. This Drum roll, I think please. is the yeah. This is going to be the most controversial of all of the things, and I do have to say uh, to Simon, up until this unit, every single change you've made has been amazing, and I'm so excited to see all the changes play out in the, you know, on the in the games and between all the factions and whatnot. Uh, I think uh, what you guys are doing is amazing, uh, but with these Flademen. I don't know. I don't think it's the end of the world, uh, by no means. And I don't think Simon did, like, a horrible job, but I feel like they just did a little too much to the Um Mr. Mark? Yeah, I feel like they needed a small uh, nerf because they were really strong. Um, and, you, you know... A lot of people felt like they got nerfed when they, you know, they went from the two-up save and uh, spread fear to the three-up save, one less point, and the panic on the charge. But really, in my opinion, they got better uh, doing that. Not only that, you could it went from running a four-flayed men list with just Roos to now running four-flayed men list with Roos and another four-point NCU. So uh, the adding that extra NCU slash activation made that list so much more dangerous. Uh, I feel like they needed a slight nerf, but I feel like they just did a little too much that made Flayed Men, you know, just not really worth their nine points. I feel like if you keep them right at where they're at with their abilities, they're a really solid eight-point unit. Um, if you are determined to keep them nine points, I feel like you have to give them critical blowback as an always effect and just make Vicious and Panic as the charge. Or you could do some other combination something. But I feel like as is, they're not just not really worth their nine points. Uh, I do feel like you, you know, they're not like completely pointless to take. There's just, you know, better options. I know uh, Brett and Justin, this this change affects both of you quite a bit. I'm going to let uh, uh, Justin go first, though, because he's our neutral player. Uh, this change, I mean, so my last tournament, I did use four Flayed Men, and I did feel rather guilty about <laughs> it. But I, I made that list specifically for Clash of Kings. Uh, and then the reason I used it the other, like the second time was I needed Roost because I was fighting a Faith Militant list, and there's no way in hell I'm going to beat them without Roost. <laughs> it's just, it ain't happening. Um, so this this makes me never want to touch them. Like, I understand, like, and obviously this is me talking uh, from a competitive point of view. They're awful. I mean, they have less swinging potential than a five-point cutthroat unit. Yeah, they're more durable, but they're also four more points. I can almost get two cutthroats, and that's double the wound, so what's more durable now? Uh, the cavalry thing, yeah, that's always a buff, uh, but having more activations is worth its weight in gold, too, so I I just I don't know if they're ever going to be useful for me. Having no vicious except on the charge when they're a cavalry that's designed to get locked in combat, they specifically, like, made them to be not a shock cavalry. They're a cavalry that swings with eight dice at all times, six dice if they lose a rank, which is still fairly good. Now they, they swing with nothing when they're stuck in combat? That's crazy. Like, that's that's worse than great axes on the charge. <laughs> uh, 
it's uh, and the best that like the neutral deck can even pop into them to make them better is uh i guess our blades are sharp with ramsey which is still wonderful for sure um so that would still be nice but if i'm relying on a nine point unit to work with two cards in my deck i'm i'm not sure that's a that's a risk i'm willing to play with I I don't like the change at all. I'd be willing to pay ten points for what their stats were now, as opposed to or what they were, as opposed to this change. Uh, eight points would be okay, I guess. But yeah, Brett. Yeah, I kind of I kind of echo your sentiment. I uh, I would have rather seen them just bump up to ten points. Um, but I think I think they probably I, I, I'm not in their war room, so I can't speak for them. Nobody say that I'm speaking for them. I think uh, the reason that they probably didn't just bump them up to ten points is because it wouldn't have done much to deter a lot of the other factions from running double flagemen still because they were hitting so hard. Um, yeah. Honestly, they probably were hitting a little bit above their class. And I'm gonna be honest here, um, I don't like free folk. But I also don't like the horse people. I don't like the Dothrakis, and I'm going to blame this one on them. And I'm going to say that Cal uh, Drogo's attachment was a little bit overtuned, uh, his commander. And I think that is probably the reason why they had to dial the flayed men back. Um, being able to charge for free with the swords, having Illyrio to remove an activation token. I mean, I complain a little bit about Tully Cavaliers, but in watching some of the guys uh, play around with Targaryens in the shop, I saw Cal Drogo's flayed men run over three or four units in one round more than once. Um, charge with swords, attack, overrun, Illyrio. Uh, it was a little bit way. It was a little bit overtuned for flayed men. Um, I think perhaps um, Targaryens should have never been able to have flayed men. But uh, I think people are going to resent me if I say that. But I don't think flayed men will ever be what they what they can be or what they should be because of Targaryens. Uh, that that deck is crazily overtuned for a unit like Flademan, so I'm gonna blame it on them, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to it. But uh, one thing that sucks about the nerf to Flademan, I think you brought this up a while ago, Brett, is it doesn't deter like other factions from bringing cavalry only lists for like Clash of Kings and stuff like that. Lannisters are just gonna swap them out and save a point for Knights of Castle Rock. Starks are just gonna swap them out and keep the same points for another Tully Cav. So it doesn't stop. Uh, those lists, yeah, it hurts your list pretty specifically because it's hard for you to replace them in the same context. Um, but it's not stopping Starks and Lannisters from running all cavalry lists by any means. It's not, and I think it's going to be a little bit problematic, particularly with um, Clash of Kings favoring um, cavalry so much. Um, I guarantee that I'm going to see at Adepticon uh, maybe even more than one guy is going to be that guy. So there's going to be four Knights of Castle Rock, uh, the High Sparrow, and your choice of eight-point NCUs, whether it's Walter Frey Pycelle or Circe Varys, Circe Tywin. You know, you pick any any of the combinations that you can build with that list, and uh, I think it'll be seen. And the problem with um, with the change to Flademan is going to be kind of like the problem with the disappearance of Varys. Like, these Knights of Castle Rock are, like, looking around, they're like, yeah, we're still eight points. Uh there ain't no flayed men to uh, come and intercept us and uh, hold us down in a static fight. And then they're like whistling for their buddies, like, come on, guys, now's the time. It's time to take over the board. And I'm not saying that Knights of Castle Rock are unbeatable. I don't think they're like the greatest unit in the world, but 
you don't have a unit that can reliably intercept them and, and trade punches with them. Uh, Tully Cavaliers can't trade punches with them. Uh, they lose that static fight because of Lannister supremacy. Outriders can't trade punches with them. Um, if, if you're sending your Dothraki screamers in there to intercept knights, you know, you're, you're, that's not going to be a good fight. Um, there's really not anything. Um, and now great axes are kind of nerfed. So I see Knights of Castle Rock as being the next big problem. We're going to have this this big podcast about how uh, the old Knights of Castle Rock are, are <laughs> running everybody over. <laughs> yeah, it's going to. And, but you know, there's other builds that you can do, and you know, I'm not pessimistic in that. I think that it's just the end of everything. But I liked them because they were available to all houses, and they were a good counter to some of those lance calves. Well, yeah, you have Lance Cav, but I can really put a dent in you uh, in a static fight, so you better hope that you've got a retreat mechanism or I'm going to sit here and be able to smoke you. Yeah, you charged me, but I'm at least going to trade you blow for blow after the charge, and that's definitely not the case, not without critical blows and vicious in a static fight. I mean, I, he, I'm talking about them, but Nice Castle Rock will absolutely punk Slademan. Um Especially if they charge them, there's like no. Are you hope. talking about now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's, yeah. To, like, I don't even don't know if Flademan charge if they'll win. <laughs> no, maybe not. I mean, they might get them. They might get them on that initial panic test, but after that, if they if they punch into them with no vicious, they're going to reliably pass their morale test and trigger Lannister supremacy, and it's going to be bad business though they'll grind oh down. yeah and really it's... honestly the six attacks from the knights the eight attacks from the flayed men it's only two more attack dice like i don't even really hate that static fight anymore like i'll stand here and trade punches with you it's cool um, yeah it's, i'm eight it's points through, and you're nine you know i'm, uh, I'm gonna nine. have a major problem with my list too because like i i don't have anything anything the best i can do is like try to rely on bastards girls being getting a shot and a charge but I have done that plenty of times, and unless I do something else, like shut them down and other stuff, but even then, those six dice going into Bastard Girls, I will lose that fight. Even if I shoot and charge them, unless I get really lucky, because Lannister Supremacy, even though I have a five morale, it's still going to pop me occasionally. And then those six attacks, that's like four Bastard Girls dead every turn at least. <laughs> There's uh, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's hurt. I've done that multiple times, and yeah, I can use Roost to shut them down. <laughs> Uh, and I've done that, but when there's four of them on the table, I can't keep up. I've tried. Right. And I, I, I might be crazy here. And again, you know, sometimes I say things and people are like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then people are like, I fucking hate you, Brett. But maybe they should seriously consider dialing down all of the heavy cavalry. Maybe no heavy cavs should have critical blow, you know, kind of just like a and across the board. I mean, they already have the mobility, the 360-degree charging arc. Maybe if they dialed down how hard they hit you, maybe it would kind of solve the problem where heavy cavalry is so popular. And uh, Or what do you think about, I, random thought, I won't put much thought into this, but like bringing their movement down because they are heavy cav, that'll still make like them down faster than infantry. Yeah, it'll still make them faster than infantry. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but I'm not a I'm not a developer. I don't pretend to be. I just want to go ahead and say I I do have faith in what Simon uh, and and uh, Fabio crushed. and Michael are doing. Um, I'm just I'm I'm not I'm not crazy about the played men change. I I can't get behind <laughs> it. And 
again, I know why they did it. Um, the Targaryens are, are a young, young, young um, faction, and that God, that Cal Drogo Flaidman combo was just brutal. Um, there wasn't really a whole lot of counterplay to it, so I think I that's like why. Now, uh, now, what would you guys say to a change to neutrals? Where um, I know, so two changes. One we already kind of discussed uh, a faction wide boost if you're only neutrals um like let's just say something simple like plus one morale across the board if you consist entirely of neutral units you're plus one morale to everything on the board uh and then another change which would be um uh neutral houses would have a select faction list so boltons uh only Lannister and Starks, if that makes would that make sense. Only Lannister, Stark, uh, Stormcrows would only be what Targaryens and you know, whatever else. I'm just kind of throwing them out there. But like every neutral like house affiliation would only have a set list of factions that they could go in. So this would solve the uh, Flamemen in Targaryen, Targaryen list. Um, granted, that would still kind of suck for you, Brad, if you can't run Boltons with Night's Watch. But then again, I could yeah, I could see justification that Boltons could be with Night's Watch. I mean, they're both you know relatively in the same vicinity. You know, Dreadport's the, the second closest to Night's Watch. Yeah, so I could still see kind of like those three, um, but this would also I think help Simon with balancing because when you make a single uh, neutral unit, you have to factor like what six factions right now, nine eventually, I think they said, uh, nine is the number of factions they're going to do because they're not counting neutrals as one. So if you made a set list of each house affiliation neutrals that could only be, or that are only allowed to be taken with certain factions, then you now limit the potential combos that they have to watch out for, uh, which will make balancing so much easier. Yeah, I think it gets a little too a little too complicated and I think it's going to I think it would rattle too many cages and I think it's uh we might be going uh, I I probably went a little bit too far myself with uh kind of stepping on the toes of the developers. So, I do kind of want to be careful about that. I don't want to make them think that we're telling them how to do their job. Um Oh, no. I just I just mean like, you know, we're just kind of like spitting ball like ideas. I mean, uh, I like you said, I have full uh, confidence in Simon. This game is amazing. There's a reason why you know it's basically the only tabletop game I play at the moment because it's so fun and it's so fair. And there's rarely ever like any issues. Um, but I think they, I don't know. I maybe I'm uh, speaking. Uh, just assuming here, I think they appreciate like the the feedback as long as it's you know constructive, uh, and it'd be awesome if they consider any of the ideas. But if they didn't do uh, like the neutral wide uh, you know buff or like uh, limiting factions per house affiliation, I definitely wouldn't you know see it as like something horrible. I just you know kind of spitting ball ideas, and you know if they do it, awesome. But um, I definitely have faith that they'll, uh, you know, continue to do what's best for the game, at least, you know, to the best of their ability. No one's perfect. Yeah, I, I got gotcha. you. I, I didn't mean to even 
I didn't mean to sound like I was attacking you either. I just um Oh no you, you should. should. <laughs> yeah, Get I don't know. I don't I don't have Bring it on. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that they're, lo- they're looking at. I can't imagine how difficult it is, like you said, trying to balance this neutral unit and you've you've got your play testers and they're like, Yeah, this this unit's they're okay in this faction and we've had thirty games and they, they seem to be pretty balanced and it's like, Well damn, we missed we just kind of missed this interaction with this house over here, and now this unit is really broken over here in this house, so we got to dial them back a little bit. And it's like, well, now that you dial them oh, back, like this faction's not really going to want to use them. And, you know what I mean? It's got to be so hard, man. Well, unfortunately, I mean, there's only so much they can test. I mean, that's why, you know, things pop. I mean, it's all you guys listening out there. Keep in mind that when they release something, they've tested the heck out of it. But it's never going to be more than releasing a product out to thousands of people that are now going to be playing tons of games for, you know, let's say there's thousands, you you know, have that because there's two people per game. And then now you're having thousands of games being played and it's way more than the testers were able to test. So that you're, there's always going to be those things that the, the uh, player base is going to find out. Um, uh, find that the developers and testers won't, um, and it it comes down to what they're going to do after it's found. Uh, you know that kind of proves how awesome they are. Um, so, you know, and that's you know why this game. Another reason why this game is so amazing is you know they're definitely listening to feedback, and they're trying to make the game as fair as possible and do these changes. Whereas, you know, not to, I mean, I don't know, I'm going to say it anyways, but not to like completely rag on Games Workshop. I absolutely love their models. I love their lore. I've read so many of their books. I've played the game for over 20 years. But, you know, when they go to fix something, they, you know, they wait forever to do it, to fix something that's broken, release a codex, to force you to buy the codex just for something else to be super overpowered. And it's ridiculous. Whereas CMON, they're doing all this stuff and it's all free. You know, granted your cards that came with the units, yeah, it sucks because they're outdated, but they provide a very beautiful app with all the rules for free, no army books, one very simple rule book that I barely ever have to reference. So, um, just you know, uh, just congratulations to Simon. You know, and I guess we'll just kind of wrap it up there. I hope uh, if any anyone from Simon's listening, please don't take like this little rant about uh, Flayed Men as you know something horrible against you guys. Uh, it's just some constructive uh, feedback. Uh, and you know, if you guys leave Flayed Men the way they are, definitely don't. Uh, you know, it's not gonna ruin the game, you know, it's one unit that is still, you know, they're not garbage, they're still usable. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, don't take it as like some big dig at you guys. You guys are doing an amazing job. Um, but I think that's where we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Uh, so um, uh, thank you guys for coming on, you know, uh I know you guys come on every week, but you know, we're kind of always thanking the guests uh, when they come on, but we didn't have any guests this week. But uh, just thank you guys for you know coming on and giving your input. 
um, anyone out there that, uh, you know, if you have any uh, anything you wanted to add to it, just find one of our posts and comment on there uh, and, you know, let us know what you think about anything we talked about. Um, Simon, you guys are doing awesome. Thank you so much for all that you've done for us. I know this is – you guys have best of intentions uh, you know, this is your baby, and, you know, you're not just doing things to do them to ruin the game. You know, you truly are doing what you believe is best, um, and we thank you for everything you guys have done. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time. This was a very long episode, uh, as is kind of most of our episodes where we talk about the changes to uh, – you know, the stuff, just there's so much to talk about, especially when Simon, you know, drops so much on us. Uh, and that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that they're taking uh, time to review a bunch of different options or a bunch of the different uh, units and uh, attachments. Um, please remember to share the show out. Give it a like. Uh, we're still going to be doing another uh, giveaway at 250 likes. So um, right now the best thing you could do for us is share out the, the show, let people know that we're on Google Play, uh, iTunes, the Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, any of those. You can listen to any of our episodes. Uh, I believe we're, this is our ninth episode now. Um, so there's a bunch of you guys, if you haven't listened to them all, you can listen back to. Um, so just, uh, you know, let your local group know about us and then just, you know, uh, share the group out because that's definitely the best way to uh, you know help our channel grow or uh, our show grow. Um, and you know we're gonna be doing some more giveaways in the future to callers uh, and just anything we can to you know show uh, show how much you guys you know mean to us that you guys listen in to all of our shows. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening in. This is the Small Council and it is dismissed.